0: Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. And in normal fashion, as we have had the last few weeks, we just got back from a trip. <laughs> this time, we went to Utah, and we went to Wyoming, and we went to Montana, Montana and we went to Idaho. And last week, we said that we weren't going to get to spend very much time in Montana, but we actually did get to spend the night in Montana. So yeah. that was that was unexpected and exciting. But we should talk about Utah first.
2: Oh, yes. It was beautiful.
1: Beautiful. It was your first time to go to Utah, right? Yep. Yep. I had been there with Catherine a little bit earlier this year, but it was for less than 24 hours for a speaking event. And it's just gorgeous country.
2: And the air was so crisp and clear, and it was the snow on the mountain still, and it was warm.
1: Perfect yeah, temperature. It really was. In fact, you talked about the air when my Catherine, when we walked out of the Nashville airport out to Nashville air, Catherine goes, I can barely breathe here. This oh, air was, feels so yeah, thick. It's
2: so humid.
1: <laughs> we didn't realize how kind of clear and non-humid it was. Yeah. In is there a better word for non-humid? What what is the word for I can't normal <laughs> <laughs> until we got back here and then it's like, wow. Okay. So Utah was beautiful. We stayed in this huge log cabin with all of my family. So I have three brothers, three sisters, and then, um, my parents, and then our, um, all my,
2: um, nieces and nephews, nieces
1: and, nephews and, um, my brothers and sisters, spouses.
0: That's so, very important.
1: Yes. Um, and so there's 28 people total. And this is my dad's Christmas gift to us. He um, flies us all to some location every year we go to a different place. And um, so we chose Utah this year and it was this massive log cabin. I didn't know this, but I guess it's the largest privately owned log cabin in the United States.
2: Yeah, that's correct.
1: Twenty six thousand square feet.
2: Yeah, that's ridiculous. We were bouncing. <laughs> I mean, we were rattling in that house. Well, you all twenty six of them. You
1: think if there's twenty? No, there's, there's twenty eight. Twenty eight people. So we almost had a thousand square feet per person.
2: Oh, that's I hadn't even thought of that. That's, so that's yeah.
1: that's a lot of space. Yeah. And so the only downside was that it was fairly mice infested. We <laughs> discovered. Yeah,
2: that was a lot of fun.
1: Pretty quickly on when we saw, I think actually before we had even gotten there, they had found a mice, mice, a mice. They had found a mouse behind one of the dressers. Really? Yes, I think So mom,
2: I never saw one until they caught them.
1: So my mom showed me the picture. They had heard something scratching, and so they, so there was that. And then later on that night, we wait,
2: wait, wait. wait. She showed you the picture that they heard something scratching.
1: I'm sorry. She showed me the video that they had taken to try to find the mouse because they had heard something scratching. I don't know that they actually found one that night, but they heard something scratching and they thought it was... Where was that? I think it was in my sister's room. Okay. So we knew that there were probably mice. And then as the time progressed, then we saw them scurrying across the room. So then the next day you and I went out and we got four mouse traps we probably should have gotten like yeah, 20 really. but
2: <laughs> who knows how many we could have caught
1: uh, so we got eight then eight mice yep. in the span of was three it days a, well it was less than three days when we got the traps but anyway we the traps were kept very busy oh yeah <laughs> each trap caught two two mice
2: just about yeah and actually one trap caught like four so okay. and i think one trap caught zero but okay yeah all
1: right Anyway, so that was it was you know, I would much rather have mice than snakes or cockroaches. So
2: I was thinking, you know, the whole house was a big log cabin. So the pillars inside were all made of wood. I mean what if you were to get termites?
1: I can't I can't imagine. For carpenter just, bees. I well, mean there yeah. were just more bugs than you would usually see, but I think it's just maybe Utah. People told me that they're just mice are just mm-hmm. really prevalent. It seems in drier Utah. And, Definitely. If, and if there are any holes that aren't patched up anywhere, I guess the mice are going to be Interesting.
2: In, well, so. I mean, it's kind of an open area. And I mean, you know, from living in the country how prevalent field mice are. So I would think it'd be no different up there.
1: So that was just an excitement. Mm-hmm. You know, it kept things interesting. It was our entertainment. And um, my sister's um, littlest son, he's almost five or five. Um, anyway, he would run mousy alert, mousey alert. Cause he kept checking all the traps. And so whenever he, there would be one found, he'd go around and, you know, proclaim to everyone. And so, um, that was interesting. But then, so we left Utah around 10 AM on Monday and we then drove, um, through Mont not through Montana. We drove through Wyoming to get to grand Tetons and Yellowstone. And, we, that was
2: a good drive. That was a fun drive. It was unique, but it was fun.
1: There was no internet.
2: There's no internet. Cell service.
1: There were I, I
2: maybe four gas stations between Utah and the Grand Tetons.
1: Yes. From what we saw, and no, we didn't see any rest areas. Most of the towns, their population, I think, was 150 or less. Yeah. Any restaurant that we saw, there were no cars at it. And it, we couldn't really tell, is it actually open? I don't know.
2: Yeah. When we started on the trip, I was or getting into Wyoming, we turned onto a two-lane highway and there was mountains on either side of us, mountains ahead of us, and just big, vast, open land and was rather overwhelming to me, actually driving. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's no vehicles in front of us, no vehicles behind us. It's like, what if we break down? What if something goes wrong? But
1: it was it was kind of a weird feeling of, was. to not have cell service and then to feel like you're just really out in the middle of nowhere, nowhere. But it was also it was it felt kind of like you could really breathe.
2: It was amazing, yeah. And I mean, saw so many pronghorn antelope that I'd never seen one before. We have them in Western Kansas, but I'd never seen them. But and
1: then right before we got to Grand Teton's National Park, is it Grand Teton? People call it Grand Teton's, but I think it's, it's actually the gr- the Grand the Grand, Grand Teton National Park. I think it's...
2: is the mountains.
1: Okay. But the yeah. park is actually called... It's called, I think, Grand, Grand Teton, Teton
2: National park. park. Yeah.
1: So right before we got there, then we stopped at this grocery store and then all of a sudden yeah
2: people came were, out of nowhere
1: all sorts of people so i think we took the less travel route to get there <laughs> yeah, or something, I think so too. because then it was just tourism everywhere but by the time we got to the park it was i'm thinking was it it was almost five o'clock
2: yes it was about 5 30 yep
1: so then we had to wait for some construction for which, quite a while which park grand teton yeah so by the time we actually got into the park, there weren't very many people. And <coughs> what?
2: No, they were all stopped because of some construction that was going on. They, I mean, like three times on our trip, they would take the, lane, the two lanes down to one lane. And I kid you not, we were waiting for a good 30 minutes each time.
1: And we could never quite figure, figure out what, what they were doing. On. It just looked like someone up there holding a stop.
2: That was <laughs> so. the last time. The The first two times they were paving the other side of the road with gravel. And you couldn't go any faster than 30 mile an hour. Otherwise, you'd possibly break a windshield. But it's like they would wait until the the waiting car, cars were like, a mile long before they decided, Oh yeah, we'll go ahead and let this group through. I
1: think it was more than a mile long that we waited. The Grand Teton, those cars kept coming coming and coming and coming and coming. coming. It was it was like the never ending sea of cars that on the other side that we were sitting there waiting for. But then so then by the time we got into the park, it was like everyone was leaving. Right. And they all left. Well and
2: because when we were in that line, it had crossed like five thirty, five five thirty or so and everybody got off work. And so the construction stopped. They like moved all their equipment over to the side and it was like free flowing. I'm like,
1: really? And then oh. we got into the park. It was gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah. I can't even describe how beautiful it was. If you get a chance to go to Grand Teton National Park, we highly recommend it. It
2: was raining and the lightning Off and on. Yeah, off on. off and on. It was like a light rain, but the lightning and the hearing the thunder peeling off the mountains, it was It was gorgeous.
1: And then just the sun coming through the clouds. Mm -hmm. I think if it had been – it wouldn't have been as pretty if it was a completely cloudy day. And I almost feel like if it had been a completely sunny day, it would have been a different look because we had these beautiful kind of storm clouds with Mm -hmm. sun coming through them. And then it would be a light drizzle, but then it would stop. And and so Jenny Lake was probably – One of my favorites. Although, did you say it was that one section was Jackson Jackson Lake? Lake? There Mm -hmm. was one section right off the highway that Jackson Lake was just like heaven on earth. I Mm -hmm. don't know how else to describe it. It was just these beautiful snow-capped mountains, this gorgeous lake, these green hills, and everything was just this rich, rich coloring. And I could never get pictures or video that did it any close Mm -hmm. to justice. But I was like, if I don't know what heaven's going to look like. But this kind of feels like this little taste of it because it was just gorgeous.
2: Well, one thing we experienced, I had never experienced before, but after that, going past Jackson Lake and after the rain had died down, actually it was during the rain a little bit, but there were tall pine trees on the sides of the road. And as we were driving through the, between the pine trees, there was a green mist that mm. we were going, going through and saying, like, what is this? and we got out and it was pollen and so the wind from the and and the rain had washed all the pollen into these this clouds that were then as the rain was coming through the cloud was sticking to the car and,
1: and in raindrops was like thick yeah. pollen too you just kind of run your fingers through was like this dust of pollen it
2: was so interesting i'd seen pictures out of like texas and stuff of that happening but I'd never experienced it before.
1: So maybe if you have allergies to pollen, it <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> wasn't the time of year or you shouldn't go. But that was beautiful. And then we went from there to Yellowstone,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which they're... They, they kind butt of, up against each yeah, other. Yeah, they're just right next to one another. And Yellowstone was a very different experience than Grand Teton. It's hard for us to say which one we like better because they both were beautiful and unique in their own way. Mm -hmm. But we got to Yellowstone, so we didn't spend that much time in Grand Teton. um, But then we got to Yellowstone, I think it was probably about 6.30. And so I think we were probably in Grand Teton a little over
0: an hour 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 and and a half. half.
1: But some of that was waiting in line. Um, But because there wasn't traffic, there weren't people there, and we were able to stop and just kind of have take pictures and have this... Kind of secluded space to ourselves, and then get back in the car and go to the next thing. And um, so we got to Yellowstone, and again, it just there was one family that was there taking pictures at the sign, which I'm assuming at other times of day there would be a long line of people waiting to take a picture at the Yellowstone National Park sign. So then we went in and. I feel like Yellowstone, you're, you're seeing so many different things. There was kind of these canyon things that we saw right away that scared me for you to drive me. Like you can never drive up Pikes Peak ever with me in the car because it scared me way too much to have you driving close to these canyons. And Pikes Peak is so much worse based yeah. on what I remember. Um, so we, we saw that and then a waterfall. And then we went and saw Yellowstone Lake, which was mm-hmm. just beautiful. Beautiful. The
2: water, the the rivers were gorgeous,
1: and what we really wanted to see was um, Old Faithful. That was kind of one of the reasons that we wanted to go to Yellowstone because we'd just been in Iceland and we'd seen the geyser there, and so we wanted to be able to see Old Faithful and just kind of compare mm-hmm. the two. Um, and so to get to Old Faithful, it I think it was probably an hour and a half drive in the park.
2: Yeah, that'd be about right. Yeah, because yeah. we'd stop and, and look and watch for animals. and
1: Yeah, so so we saw then on the way to Old Faithful, then we also saw a bison mm-hmm. and we saw elk and um, got to get up really as close as we felt comfortable. There was people getting a lot closer, but we felt it was just kind of unique because there weren't very many people in the mm-hmm. park at that time. So we felt like at other times there probably would have been a lot of cars stopped because it was a really main area where we saw them and they were right Really close to one another in this clearing, um, and then we went to Old Faithful, and we—I guess I think we probably had just missed the first. Yeah, we had just missed the it last was, we, we um, eruption. We at
2: like eight thirty-six, and the next eruption was going to be at nine thirty-seven.
1: Because and it erupts, I think, every like sixty to ninety minutes,
2: something like that. Something yeah. Like that.
1: So we were kind of waffling over: do we stay? And, oh,
2: you weren't waffling. You wanted to stay. Okay. I didn't want to stay. We
1: together, you did not <laughs> want to stay because you didn't want to drive in the dark because we right. heard that it, that can be dangerous, but I wanted to stay because we had driven so far into the park right. to get there. And it's like, it was, it's almost just an hour. Let's grab something to eat and let's walk around. There's all these geysers and, um, all the, what are they called? The, the vents. The steam vents. Yeah. Um. Are they steam vents or is it like sulfur vents? I it's don't
2: some Some it's got a different name. Anyway, but. so it's
1: just a really cool area, and there weren't very many people. No, there weren't. And as so, we finally decided, or you decided to. Well, stay.
2: I was driving away, and with the intentions of leaving the park and coming back in the morning, and then I found this pat this other uh, road and said, oh, "I'm just going to drive down here," which is really cool. They had the, the vents off to the right side, right next to the road. And we were looking at the geysers in the distance and I just decided, you know what, let's let's stay.
1: And we're so glad we did mm-hmm. because we discovered that a 937 eruption of Old Faithful means that hardly anyone is there. And
2: the light was okay.
1: Yes, you could see it. It probably wasn't as, you know, if you were going for really great photos. Mm-hmm. It was kind of this dusk, duskish. Yeah. We the, said the, sun w-
2: the sun was just above the mountaintops.
1: So it was a little bit darker and you yeah. probably couldn't see. I've seen some pictures that people have posted where it's like these really vibrant colors or something. And we didn't see that, but we just wanted to see the eruption. Like we mm-hmm. wanted to experience it. And so we got to get really close. Like I felt like we got kind of the best seat in the house there. Nobody yeah. was, nobody was standing there. And
2: while we were sitting there, one of the other geysers erupted as well and, and so that we got was fun to see
1: that one and so it was just it was really cool and compared to the iceland geyser there's just no comparison because it went on for four minutes
2: yeah i was like when's this gonna stop it and just kept going and going, and going and going and going
1: shot up so much higher but at the same time in iceland you could get so close that well you and could plus see it, it bubbling went every
2: up eight to nine minutes yeah
1: at so, five to eight minutes or something. Something like yeah. that. And so it's just a very different experience. But we loved getting to compare and contrast the two. And so then we drove, which at night, that was a little bit scary to drive through the park at night. But we, we did it.
2: almost it was, hit some elk.
1: Was it another – was it an hour to get out of the park? I um, think so. Yeah. yeah. And so then we stayed in West Yellowstone, which we loved – that town, and mm-hmm. um, we had found a really great last minute deal on hotels.com for a hotel there. Typically, there, I would say, at least two to three times, maybe even four times as much as you're going to pay for a normal hotel. So, we don't recommend staying right there or anywhere close to the park um, if you're trying to save money. Definitely,
2: <laughs> um, it's. I mean, all the hotels were boy,
1: crazy expensive two,
2: three, four hundred dollars, yeah, just yeah. for a
1: basic hotel room. But yep. we found this deal. And we jumped on it, and so we were really glad that we stayed right there because it was literally, it felt like it was a block outside of it the
2: park. It literally was. It was the next street out,
0: out o- of the Outside exit. of the
1: park. And so that was nice because it was late at night, and we were tired. It had been a very long day with lots of driving. And um, so then we stayed there and then got to explore West Yellowstone, which is in Montana the next day. And it's a just a quaint It's a cool town. town and I, it's a very touristy town, but at the same time, it, we were surprised that the prices weren't higher.
2: Yeah, the rooms yeah. were the high prices, but the,
1: the hotel. Yeah, because we thought based upon the hotel prices that everything there is going to be ridiculously expensive, and they had all these five dollar t shirts. Like we were able to get some t shirts for you know with Yellowstone on it and stuff, and we usually don't do that because I'm not going to pay twenty five bucks for a t shirt. But they had some cute ones that were really inexpensive, and um, then we drove through Idaho back to Utah, and we flew out of Salt Lake City mm-hmm. at twelve a.m. And had an all night flight, flew to Charlotte, and then flew back to Nashville, and got in eight
2: thirty uh, in the morning
1: Wednesday morning, and we're recording this on Friday, so it's been about a day and a half since we got home, and we got home to our bathroom getting redone. Yep, which we- neither you or I had <laughs> computed the fact. That that also meant that no our bedroom. bedroom was not was going to be taken over with jacuzzi and all these things and all. We came in and our bed and our dressers. They were all wrapped up and we're like, okay. So apparently we're not going to be sleeping here for the next week and a half. So that's been a little bit interesting. We're sleeping in the bonus room on the couch. <laughs>
2: It's comfortable. <laughs>
1: it's, it's an L shaped couch, great please, so that we can, there's enough space for both of us to sleep on it. Um, but we're still living out of suitcases because we haven't really been able to get back to our room and get our, our closets all put tape, away,
2: taped off. And-
1: <laughs> so hopefully that's going to get done in the next week or so. But we're excited to get our bathroom redone. Yep. You actually read more than me this last week. Which (laughs) has that ever happened? Two
2: books this week.
1: Did you want to talk about those books?
2: Actually, last week because just with all the traveling we've been doing, so I was able to finish my first book, which is "Hope Never Dies," which is a fiction book in a series. I don't know how many other books are in that series, but the main characters are the former President Obama and former Vice President. Biden and they're kind of the main characters and my sister bought it for me as kind of a funny gift, but it was it was actually an interesting read. So
1: and then you did you read another big
2: book. And then I started the book called The Operator, which is the autobiography of Robert O'Neill, who's a the Navy SEAL that was credited with taking out Osama bin Laden. And so he went through a bunch of his stories on of uh, missions that he'd been on and details on the Bin Laden raid and all. It was really interesting.
1: And that was the name of the book? The Operator. By?
2: Robert O'Neill. Okay.
1: It's his autobiography. It's an autobiography. Okay. You said autobiography and then I didn't compute. Yeah. Generally, oh, yes. an autobiography
2: is written by, by the person, person. whose it is about.
1: Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> so you just corrected me, but we got some... Emails came in after last episode correcting you. So That's usually true. usually I'm the one that people are correcting, but let's see. This one was from Jessica. She says, as always, I love listening to YouTube. You remind me so much of my husband and myself with the banter. Please let Jesse know that a tomato is a fruit.
2: Yeah. And I had forgotten that from Botany Multiple Puss. people
1: yeah. wrote in to let you know that a tomato was a fruit.
2: Yep.
1: So... Just saying. I know. Maybe you can use the word confluence, but I didn't call a fruit a vegetable. True. Speaking of reading, I wanted to mention that we just put together this really cool kids reading printable pack. So if you want to encourage your kids to read this summer or as the school starts, um, it's just a fun way for them to track their reading. And um, you can go download it if you go to crystalpain.com forward slash kids dash reading. So that's crystalpain.com forward slash kids dash reading. And also, I wanted to mention that there's this really hot deal on Kindle Unlimited. And I've mentioned this in the past, but this is the best deal that we have seen on Kindle Unlimited. You can get a free three-month subscription. Typically, it's $9.97 a month. I think that's a little high. I wouldn't recommend paying that. But you can get it absolutely free for three months right now. And there are lots of great deals that you can get. You do need to be a Prime member in order to get this. So if you're a Prime member, just go click on the link that we will put in the show notes to check out this deal. It will help you to be able to get lots of reading done this summer all for free. And then I just recommend that you put on your calendar before the three months is up to cancel. It's super easy to cancel. I've done it before. You just go into your account and you hit cancel, and then you'll never be charged. And you're gonna get access to over 700,000 ebooks plus thousands of audiobooks all for free. Typically, this trial is 99 cents. So to get it completely free is a really great deal. And also in the link in the show notes, I will have some different books that I recommend that you check out or ones that I want to read. This is valid through July 31st, 2019. In this part of the episode, we wanted to tackle a question that was submitted recently. And I'm not sure who this came from, but I'm going to read you the question and then Jesse and I are going to kind of dive into the answer. This person asks, what steps have you taken from an early age with your kids or started recently to foster open communication and trust? I so admire the way your kids seem to come to you and Jesse with their struggles and you are able to help them work through them in a godly way. When I was a kid, I know I didn't take things to my parents through no fault of their own because I have wonderful parents, but I desperately want my kids to feel comfortable and safe in bringing anything that is on their hearts to me and my husband. So Jesse and I actually sat down and we talked about some different ways that we wanted to answer this. And then we brought our kids into the discussion and let them also speak into this. And so this is um, based upon what we want to share with you is based upon what the kids said, as well as some things that we've learned Mm -hmm. ourselves. And so this is not just us spouting off things that are good ideas, but these are actually things that our kids said, mom and dad, this is what has helped us feel safe and comfortable coming and talking to you.
2: If only they had said it that succinctly.
1: Okay, they didn't say it. But that, that was the general <laughs> gist of what they were saying. So first off, one of the things that we found to be really helpful is to make time For one-on-one conversations. We really try to prioritize this. And one way that I do this is just if I'm gonna be driving somewhere, maybe I have a chiropractic appointment or I'm running to the grocery store, I'll just ask, you know, the kids are out of school, it's summer or whatever, or it's after school, does anyone wanna come with me? You know, would anyone Mm -hmm. like to drive with me? And just Giving them the opportunity to come and be one-on-one with me so that we can have fun together, but that we also have the space to have a conversation. Sometimes it also looks like late at night, you know, one of the kids needs to talk and it means dropping everything so that, or staying up way past when I would like to go to sleep to have that conversation because that's more important than my sleep. Mm Mm-hmm. So a lot of times it will, you know, just look like opening up the door for conversation. One thing Catherine said oh, all you said, have to
2: do is open up the door.
1: One thing Catherine said was please tell parents, don't force conversation with your kids. Don't force it. They have to trust you and they have to feel like it's a safe space. And so if you're just trying to pry things out of them, they're gonna probably clam up. Some things that I will often, you know, just ask is, you know, how are you doing? Is there anything you want to talk about? How did you feel about your time with your friend? How is X, Y, Z going? You know, something that we've talked about in the past that they've struggled with. I'll just kind of bring it up again and, you know, let them know that it's okay for them to say, I don't want to talk about it right now. And that's something that the girls will say a lot. Silas, not so much. (laughs) He's not as much of a talker, although he does come to me and I mean, I feel like he does come to me and share his feelings if he's upset about something. Yeah. But the girls are the ones that more need to sit down and process.
2: Process where they get that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting a taste of my own medicine. Um. But so just opening the door a crack for those conversations, and then if they're, you know, if they don't want to talk don't push and pry. I right. might say, you know, I feel like we probably need to talk about this, but I can tell you don't want to talk about it right now. So just, you know, if you're ready to talk about it later on, come to me cuz I I I really do feel like we want to have a conversation about this. But so letting them know the door is open, but I'm not going to push and kind of barge in if they're not ready. Right. Cuz sometimes I don't want to talk about things. I know for you for sure. There're right. sometimes you don't want me just you know, trying badger to yeah. badger you to be like, no, we need to talk about this right now. We, I mean, and I can't be like this <laughs> <laughs> because it makes you feel like you don't want to talk. If I'm just trying to kind of passive aggressively make you talk. Right. Yeah. Did you have anything you want to share on that?
2: No, I just think being intentional about taking opportunities that arise just to speak into their life mm-hmm. and to come alongside them and, not in a condemning or a caustic or um even a demeaning way but just say hey how are things going mm-hmm. you know honestly asking how you can pray for them it's mm-hmm. it's huge i mean they open up so much in answering that question
1: yeah that's good silas a lot of times I'll just say can I pray can I pray with you if he's upset about something because mm-hmm. the girls I feel like I can process through with them but with him sometimes that's a little bit harder and maybe it's just cuz he's a boy and I'm a woman and it's mm-hmm. we process differently or something but just saying to him can I pray for you about that or what would you like for me to pray for you about that and then just stopping and praying with him and mm-hmm. that seems to just kind of calm him down as well.
2: One thing I was thinking about was here a number of years ago, one of the girls gave me a birthday gift and it was a little, a handwritten book when she was younger. And it was just um, reasons why I love my dad Mm. and I still have it. And one of them was he says, I'm sorry. Mm. And just being able to bend down and apologize for Mm -hmm. when you respond incorrectly, when you say something wrong, when, and it opens them up to be able to do the same.
1: And that was one of the things that the girls said, why they feel comfortable talking to us about things is because we talk to them about things. And so, If I'm going through a hard time, if I'm having a hard day, like they will see me crying about something and I'll be honest with them. Like I'm, you know, I I don't share everything. If it's involving someone else, maybe I was hurt by someone or something, or it's a burden that's too heavy for them to bear right now. But I can still say, you know what? I'm just feeling really sad right now. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I made a mistake and I'm feeling upset about it and Mm -hmm. being honest with my feelings with them so that it's not like I'm, you know, putting on this persona of perfection for them. So then they feel like, well, they have to kind of keep it all together as well.
2: And and you're communicating your feelings, which allows them to realize their own feelings and then be able to communicate those feelings.
1: And I think it's just really important. You know, we've talked about in the past um, when we had the discipleship episode um, with our pastor about how feelings are not wrong. And I think a lot of times we assume or we kind of put labels on feelings that when you're angry, when you're sad, when you're embarrassed, that like those are negative feelings, but feelings are not wrong. It's how you act out of those feelings. That is where it's a sin or it's wrong. And so explaining to our kids that it's okay for you to say, you know, I'm really angry about such and such. And then we talk about, okay, what do we do with that? Or I'm really embarrassed, or I'm really hurt. What do we do with that feeling? It's Mm -hmm. how we act out of that feeling that that's where it becomes right or wrong. And so when there's that safe space for them to share exactly how they are feeling, then I think that when they know we're not gonna be like, I'm sorry that's wrong. You don't act like that. You should know better. We're instantly shaming them and shutting them down. They're not going to come back and share more feelings if we've shamed and shut them down. And I think one thing that's helped us when, you know, when we talk about this, letting them share their honest feelings is asking them questions that open the door for them to share those honest feelings. And Mm -hmm. so we've asked our kids things like, you know, how can we make you feel more loved? What do we do that makes you feel unloved? And you better be ready for your kids to give you a lot of honesty when you ask these questions and just receive it and just Mm -hmm. say, I'm sorry. How can I do better with that? Do not defend yourself because that is going to shut them down. But letting them share when they're bothered by something that we do or something that someone else does, like being that safe space for them To share those things, sometimes it's really hard to hear.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it gives them the ability to see that you're not infallible.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I would say I would rather that someday my kids are able to just openly acknowledge, you know, my parents did this well, but they did this poorly. And, you know, they paid for counseling for me in this area where they really screwed up. And for them to say that right in front of me and Mm -hmm. for, because I know that I'm not doing it all well and I'm not, I have my weak areas and my strong areas and we can celebrate the strong areas, but then say, okay, we we need to bring in some outside help for these weak areas and that that's, that's okay. I'd rather that they are able to openly acknowledge that right in front of me. And then I'm like, I know I own that, you know, I hurt you in that way, or I made your life hard, or that this is a struggle that, you know, this is a trigger for you or whatever because of my mistakes and that we can be honest about that instead mm-hmm. of them feeling like they can't share that stuff with me. Like they have to keep all closed up about that and they can't talk about it because I I want to pretend like everything was okay. Um, another thing is listening well instead of preaching sermons. I think as parents— We feel like it's our God-given responsibility to be our child's Holy Spirit. And therefore, it is our job to point out every little thing that they've done wrong and to critique it to help them to get better. Now, there is some truth to that. We are called to help our children kind of steer them in the right direction, to help train them and teach them and nurture them. But if all we're doing is nitpicking them, they are not going to feel like we're a safe space. Right. And if you think about someone in your life who, everything that you do, they're nitpicking what you do. Are you going to go to them and share your hard things, your struggles, how you're really feeling about something? No, they're the last person you're going to choose. And so how can we listen well instead of just instantly going to preaching sermons? And one thing that I've really been trying to do, especially as the kids get older and they're making choices that I don't always, it wouldn't be the choice that I would make. Instead of just jumping on them and, you know, kind of lecturing them of why that was a wrong choice to instead say, Hey, I noticed such and such and and so-and-so. Can we talk about that? Can you tell me why, you know, why did you react in that situation or why did you do that? And giving them the space to share how they felt. And sometimes it really surprises me. The other day, um, one of the girls had written a note to someone and I happened to see it. It was sitting out on the counter and I opened it up and I looked at it and she had used a word (laughs) in that note. It was not a word that we say at our house. And my brain instantly went to, oh my goodness, she's probably saying bad words behind my back with all her friends. You know, who is she hanging out with or she's learning this language and You know, I'm going to worst case scenario and I'm freaking out inside. And I wanted to call her down immediately and be like, I'm sorry. We do not use this kind of language in our house. What were you thinking? You know, are you talking like this whenever I'm not around? And just really shaming her Mm -hmm. because I was upset. But it was about my reputation. It was about what other people would think of me as a parent because my kid was saying this word. But I stopped. I took a deep breath. I was like, "Okay, God, how do you want me to respond?" And you know, what's the proper response? What's the loving, gracious response? And I just felt like I was supposed to call her down and say, "Hey, can we talk about this?" I saw this note, and this was a really nice note. But I noticed you had this this word in here, and why did you use that word? And come to find out, she didn't know what the word meant. She'd heard multiple adults say the word. She had no idea that it was. A bad word that shouldn't be used, that was, you know, a derogatory term. She didn't know that. And if I had just kind of cut her to pieces about something that she didn't even know, she would have been hurt and shamed by me. And my words would have been j- so much worse than that word that right. she no, you know, used very naively. And so instead, you know, she was like, oh, mom. I'm so sorry. I had no idea. And we were able to talk about it and, you know, talk about sometimes people say words that an adult will use a word. And, but if you don't know what a word means, you know, come and ask me, let's talk about it and let's make sure that it's a word that we should be using because just because other adults use it doesn't mean that it's okay for you to use it or that it's a kind word. But I could have really botched that opportunity and hurt her just because I was parenting initially thinking of my own reputation instead of my daughter's heart. One of the other things is um, that the girls talked about was stepping into their world. And I think this really opens up the door for trust Mm -hmm. and for building that trust. And, you know, so really thinking about what are your kids excited about? What do they love to do? What are they really passionate about? And how can you step into that world instead of, I think it's our tendency to invite them to come into our world. Like I'm working on this project. Why don't you come help me instead of thinking, what are they excited about? How can I learn about that and go be in their world? Right. I think one of the things is Caitlin loves fashion and makeup and hair and beauty. And honestly, I just, really am not into shopping and I'm very minimalist and utilitarian and I like to look nice, but I really don't like to spend a lot of time to do it. Why was last week I talked about washing my hair once a week, Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> save time, you know, just keep it simple, but recognizing that's something that brings her a lot of life. And so, you know, taking her shopping where we're just window shopping or asking her to do my makeup, it takes a lot longer But we have such a great time. We're asking her to do my hair.
2: She does such a great job too.
1: Oh, she's so good at it. And and acknowledging that and recognizing that and speaking that into her, like speaking words of life about you're really gifted in this area. Hey, can you help me with this? Or I need to go to this event. Can you help me pick out my clothes for that? And so it's just giving her the opportunity to exercise her gifts, but walking into her world instead of expecting her to just always want to step into mine. Mm-hmm. Did you have anything else you want to share on that?
2: No, there's not a whole lot that I can do as far as stepping into Caitlin's beauty world. I don't have a whole <laughs> lot of true. hair to fix. I wasn't talking about that makeup, particularly. But, you know, I was
0: talking about like... this. But,
2: but I can still take her shopping, things mm-hmm. like that. And, and she really enjoys that, the one-on-one times.
1: Well, and you can also praise her for the gifts that God has given her. Like, wow, Caitlin, you're so good at, mm-hmm, right. you know, fixing hair. You, you know, you're just so gifted when it comes to creating beauty and I mean, just being able to have these skill sets. Finally, one of the things that Catherine suggested was giving your kids opportunities to make choices. Mm-hmm. And as they get older, kind of letting them have more opportunities to make choices themselves. And she has said, you know, even just little things, it's, you know, what do you want to have for dinner tonight? It's it's not like it has to be these big, you know, big choices. But start with the little choices and give them that little bit of responsibility and that trust so that they know, my parents trust me. You know, and you're teaching them to be responsible, to make good choices, and they're going to make some mistakes. Mm-hmm. And
2: Allow them to make mistakes and then yes. don't jump on them when they make mistakes.
1: Yes, because we all make plenty mm-hmm. of mistakes too. But as you build that Trust with them, and they feel more and more trusted by you. I think it helps them to take personal responsibility and ownership. Mm-hmm. And with both of the girls, we've given them opportunities to make some pretty big decisions in their life in the last few years. I think of Caitlin with ice skating mm-hmm. and making the decision that she wanted to focus on school versus ice skating, and that, that was,
2: was it's huge. that it was I a huge commitment that we would make every single day. And she had dreams that were coming out of of her ability to do that. And she was willing to hang those up and focus on school. And it was a tough decision, Mm -hmm. but it was a good decision.
1: And ultimately, we let her make the decision. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a lot of conversations with her, and it was hard for us. We wanted to just say, "Honey, we've poured so much into this. You're really talented at this." Mm -hmm. You know, and I kept thinking of: Is in ten or fifteen years from now, she going to look back and be like, "Mom, you should just made me keep doing it"? But we really talked to her and had conversations about where her heart was, and just felt like she's making this decision with a lot of wisdom and a lot of thought. It's not a rash decision. And we, we gave a few months before we made, but we, we really talked with her about it, but ultimately said, okay, you're making this decision and you're choosing to prioritize school and academics over ice skating. And we're going to support that even though it's hard for us Mm -hmm. because we love to see you you exercising your gifts out on the ice. And then for Catherine, she made the decision last year to switch schools in the middle of the year. And that was ultimately her decision. And we just told her, we said, you know, you're in seventh grade. We can't make that decision for you. And I'm thinking it was last. It was, it would have been a year and a half ago. Is yeah. what it was not last year, but the school year before. Last year. Right. And, you know, she, really wrestled with it a lot. And there was a lot of prayer that she put into it and a lot of conversations and a lot of thought and a lot of research. And, you know, we took her to, she got to go check out the school that she was considering and go shadow for a day and talk to the principal and talk to the teachers and talk to people who went to that school. But ultimately, you know, we said, if you stay at the school you're at, it's going to be hard Mm because she was really struggling with the academic load. It was just way too much for her. If you switch schools in the middle of the year in seventh grade as a girl, it's going to be hard because you're going to have to be the only new person coming in halfway through the year. You're going to have to learn all sorts of things really quickly because these people have been in the school for half a year Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to jump in and it might be really hard to make friends and it might be really lonely. And so we talked about the pros and cons of both. And we prayed with her and we prayed for her. But ultimately we said, you have to make this decision. You know, you're old enough. We trust you. And the consequences of this decision, good or bad, are going to be something that you're going to be experiencing more than us. So we don't feel like we can make this decision for you. Mm -hmm. And what was really cool with that is that she prayed a lot about it. And, you know, she said it was really hard. She had to really trust God with it. And she got to see God answer prayer in really specific ways. And I remember her calling me one day and just being like, Mom, Mom, I just prayed specifically for this, and look what happened. It was a specific answer to my prayer. And so for her to get to experience that herself, I think was a really powerful thing that she's going to take this with her for the rest of her life, of walking through a really hard decision and coming out on the other side and knowing that there's sad things and there's wonderful things. And to this day, there's still sad things and wonderful things with that decision. Mm-hmm. But she knows that, okay, my parents trust me. And also I can trust God. And he was faithful through this. And I think it it was a really maturing experience for her. So hopefully that gives you some encouragement and some inspiration and like we said we are not doing this perfectly by any stretch of the imagination we're learning right along with you we're in the trenches and it's kind of scary for me to talk about parenting because i would say why don't you ask me when all my kids are grown and gone and then i can tell <laughs> you what worked and what didn't work but at the same time we want to be with you in the trenches and share what we've learned the hard way and you know just to encourage you, keep loving on your kids, keep walking with them, keep discipling them, keep leaning into them and loving them, and it's going to pay off in big dividends if you're faithful. As always, if you have any question on any topic you'd love for Jesse and I to answer in a future episode or you just have feedback or suggestions, or you'd love for us to change something or do something different. We love to hear from you. We love your emails. And so you can send an email to crystal at com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of The Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances,
0: but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.